I fear not the dark itself, but what may lurk within it. Welcome to Lurk, bringing you creepy, strange, and bone-chilling stories with your hosts, Tim Harrison and Jamie Jackson. Hey Lurkers, it's Jamie. Welcome to episode 16 of the Lurk Podcast. And uh, Tim is not with me today. There were some conflicts. Um, We weren't able to record together this week. I'm going to be doing this solo and see how it goes. And there may be another episode, the episode after this, episode 17, that I may have to record on my own as well. We just have a lot of stuff going on on the weekends because summer and work schedules basically just life. This episode is going to be about my son, Ethan. Stories from when he was much younger. He's currently 15 and most of these stories take place when he was about the ages between two and four years old. He was able to see and talk to people that nobody else could see. It's not unusual for children especially younger children, to be able to see things. It basically is something that everybody really has the ability to do when they're very young. And what happens is as we get older, we learn that those things aren't real. So we unconsciously don't allow ourselves to see them anymore. So when you're a child, you're able to suspend disbelief. But as you get older, that disbelief sinks in and you no longer see those things. Some people do still see those things. It's just kind of a win-lose-or-draw sort of thing. So Ethan first had a strange encounter. He was about two. I'm going to say two. I don't even think he was quite two years old. He was still in a crib, and he had his own bedroom in the house that we lived in, which was located just outside of Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. I got up in the morning and I was getting ready and he, you know, I let him sleep until he was waking up on his own, unless we had somewhere we needed to be. I could hear him in his room on the baby monitor, kind of laughing and sort of making baby talk. He was able to say words at this, at this age. That's why I don't think he was two years old yet. He was able to say short sentences, say a few words, but not many and a lot of it was hard to understand. Basic baby, toddler type speak. So I hear him in his crib babbling away at somebody or just babbling away. And it it sounded, when I say at somebody, it actually sounded like he was having a conversation. He would babble something and then there was a pause and then he would laugh and then he'd babble something else. So it actually sounded on my end like a one-sided conversation. I decided, I think it was like 8, 8.30 in the morning, it's time to get him up and get going for the day. So I go in his room to get him and he is standing in his crib, kind of hanging over the edge of the crib, looking towards the rocking chair in his room. It's, it's not the haunted rocking chair that I have here in the house. It's a, it, it was a glider rocker. I purchased it myself a few years before, not haunted. I was the only owner. There's no reason for this piece of furniture to be haunted. Anyway, he is looking at the rocker and he's continuing his conversation, even though I'm in the room, as if there is someone sitting in the rocking chair. I kind of laughed and I said, who are you talking to? 
And he turned and he looked at me and he said, the man, even now I, I get goosebumps saying that I, I got goosebumps and I was like, who are you talking to? And he says, the man. And he kind of points to the rocking chair. Of course, there is no man in the rocking chair. Rocking chair isn't moving. There's nobody there in the rocking chair. I'm like, okay. And I kind of lean over the high end of the crib to lift him out because I didn't want to turn my back to the rocking chair because I was completely freaked out at this point. So that happened. And that was freaky just by itself. Fast forward about two to three weeks, I had been in the process of hanging up. I I think I had painted and I was hanging up some picture frames and I had one of those collage picture frames that had, I don't know, had like 10 different spaces for different photos. And I had a whole bunch of family photos of all kinds of people, my immediate family, you know, my mom and dad, my, my kids, I had, you know, grandparents and various different family members. So I'm carrying Ethan down the hallway. And again, this is like two to three weeks after the incident in his room. There hadn't been any other incidents since then. So we're walking down the hall and I'm carrying him on my hip. We're standing. He would, he liked to look at the collage. So we're standing there looking at the collage and he's pointing out his sister, his grandparents. You know, he's pointing everybody out that he knows and he's naming them. And he gets to a photo of my great uncle. This was somebody that I was very close to. He was my grandfather's brother and my grandfather died when I was five. So he stepped into the role of grandparent, of grandfather for myself and my cousin. We spent a lot of our summers together. We were very close with him. So he gets to the photo of my my great uncle and he gets excited and he starts yelling, the man, the man, the man. And I'm like, what? And he's pointing to the photo and he says, the man, the man. And apparently the man that he was referring to that was sitting in his rocking chair that he was having a full blown conversation with must have actually been my great uncle who was there visiting. My great uncle died when I was uh, 16. So long before Ethan was born, I was around 32. I based on timeline, I was about 32 at this point. That was the the first inkling that Ethan was possibly seeing things that nobody else could see. But I was okay with that. If my great uncle, who I love dearly, who I was very close to, who was a, a an awesome person, if he was visiting my son, I was cool with that. I was a little jealous that I couldn't talk to him myself, but it was actually very comforting to know that somebody that I loved and trusted and admired was coming to check out my son. So he's a little bit older. He's past two years old, not three yet. He is not sleeping. He he was not sleeping very good at night. He he was up at night. It, it He was just extremely frustrating, as some toddlers are. And he was crying and crying, and it was late. It was really late at night, and I just kind of was tired of dealing with it. So I went and got him out of his crib and I brought him in my room and um, had him lay down in my bed, in my bedroom, trying to get him to go to sleep, hoping that either he can go to sleep and he can sleep on the other side of the queen bed, or I'll let him go to sleep. And if I'm still awake, I'll pick him up and carry him back to his room. He's gets settled in. He pretty much settles down the minute he comes in my room, which is basically what he wanted in the first place. We're laying there 
And all of a sudden, next to my side of the bed, I hear a child giggling. (laughs) And at first, I, I was not asleep yet. At first, I thought maybe Ethan was having a dream and was giggling in his sleep. That was my rational thought process to explain it, that obviously he's dreaming and giggling while he's dreaming. So I kind of lean up a little bit and I look at him and I sit there and I, I wait and I wait, nothing. And as I'm sitting there looking at him, I hear the giggling again and it is clearly <laughs> coming from the other side of where Ethan is. So Ethan was on one side of the bed Then I'm on the other side of the bed and the giggling was coming from my side (laughs) next to the bed. And so I'm a little freaked out. I'm I'm trying not to panic. I don't want to wake Ethan up. I'm not sure exactly what to do. So it's obviously not him. He's not the one who is dream laughing. And so I thought I must have left the baby monitor on and I must be picking up somebody else's kid on the baby monitor because... I don't know how good baby monitors are these days, but back then you could actually listen to people on walkie talkies, on CB radios. You would pick up other people's baby monitors and could listen in to conversations and all kinds of things if you hit the right frequency. I probably listened in on some conversations. I probably tried to listen in on some conversations with that baby monitor a time or two. So I figured that's it. It's the baby monitor. So I roll over and look on my nightstand to turn it off and discover that the baby monitor is not on. So I'm laying in bed there trying to think of a rational explanation for where this giggling has come from. And while I'm laying there, I hear it again. And I hear it right next to my ear to the point where if somebody is talking next to your ear or whispering to you, your eardrum sort of vibrates. And sometimes it tickles your ear. And that was the sensation I had that whoever was giggling did it right next to my head so that my ear tickled a little bit when it happened. Needless to say, I jumped up, I turned the bedroom light on, and I told whoever it was to get out that I was not having any parts of it and they needed to go. Freaky as hell. That's all I gotta say. (laughs) So, you know, as Ethan gets older, he's becoming more verbal. He's able to speak and be understood. He's about three years old at this point. This is when things kind of really kind of blew up and got crazy. At our house, we were having dinner. You know, Ethan is sitting in his in his chair. He's sitting in a regular chair and he has his food and his his sippy cup and we're talking and having a conversation. Ethan liked to tell stories. He would tell us about his dreams and all kinds of stuff. And he was fascinated by Frankenstein, which he used to call Stinkenstein. And I'm not really sure, but he was telling us something about his friend Stinkenstein. All of a sudden, his whole facial expression changes and he grabs his sippy cup and yanks it from, it was sitting next to his plate and he grabs it from next to his plate and hugs it to his chest and yells at no one. He is turned and looking next to him. There's nobody there. He was at the end of the table and he yells, my drink, you go get your own drink. This is mine. I'm not sharing. Everybody kind of stops 
and is a little freaked out about what the heck is going on. I'm like, Ethan, who are you talking to? And he's like, that little girl is here again. And she's trying to drink my drink. And I don't want to share with her. And I'm like, well, what little girl? He's like, the little girl. She's she's in here. She's standing here. And she wants my food. And she wants to use my cup. And I'm not sharing my cup. I didn't want to freak out. It was freaky. Super freaky. But you don't want to freak out your three-year-old. So I just said, well, you know what? Little girl, you need to stop taking Ethan's drink and you need to go find your own drink because we're not going to have this disruption at dinner. That was enough. Settled Ethan down. We didn't have a problem at dinner and that was good. The other thing going on at this time, my grandmother was sick. She had moved in with my aunt. My aunt lived in the mountains of Virginia and my grandmother, I was very close to We actually, growing up, I lived with her until freshman year of high school. Um, And then my parents moved, built a house and and we moved. But we lived lived with my grandmother up until that point. So I was very close with her. She was somebody who watched me after school. And we actually shared the upstairs part of the house together. We always laughed and joked that we were were roommates because we had a shared bathroom up there. Anyway, she was sick and we went to visit her. My aunt's house was haunted. I know this seems to be a really strange thread in my family, how everywhere we live is haunted. I'm not sure if it's the building that's haunted or if it's the people who are haunted or if we're just weird and attract weird things, whatever. We seem to have a lot of ghost stories and haunted things going on. Perhaps we're just slightly more sensitive. I don't really know. But yes, I am aware. If you are becoming aware of that point, I am aware of that point. So my aunt's house was haunted. It probably still is haunted, but I haven't been there in a very long time. Um, She has passed away. So we're visiting and Ethan, the house was a rancher. In the front part of the house, you had the living room. If you're looking at the front of the house, the living room would be on the left-hand side. And then there was a hallway and the bathroom. If you were standing in the living room, With the front door to your back, the hallway went off to your right. And then walking down the hallway, the bathroom would be on your right. The master bedroom was on your left. And at the end in the front of the house, like on the right, there was another bedroom. That bedroom was my grandmother's bedroom, that end bedroom. And then if you were in the living room facing the back of the house, you went straight. And that was the the kitchen dining room area. The dining room would be right in front of you. And then the kitchen was to the to the right. And then like you'd walk in and there was like a off the back of the house. It used to be a deck and they had turned it into like a den. They had redone a lot of things. There was like a laundry room right off the master. But you could like walk from the living room into the dining room kitchen and kind of out to the den and kind of come in through a laundry room. And there was like a little office space and go into the master, go out of the master and you'd be in the hallway. So you could kind of walk through the rooms to get there. We're, we're visiting and my cousin Kelly and I had done investigations at my aunt's house before and knew it was haunted. It, there was no question there. Things have been seen there by my aunt. There was no question that, that it was haunted. Ethan is standing in the doorway between the living room and the dining room area. And he's standing there looking down into the hallway towards the bedrooms, specifically towards my grandmother's room. We're watching him and he comes down and he walks into the the living room a little bit to the light switch. 
and he turns the light switch on and he's looking down the hallway and then he turns it off and he's standing there watching and then he turns the light switch on and he's looking down the hallway and he he does this several times and we're all kind of watching and laughing at him and I'm like what are you looking at and he turns around and he looks at me and he said monsters even now I get goosebumps just saying that it, it because it was freaky as hell to have a three-year-old intently looking down into a dark hallway, turning the light on and off, and turning around and telling you, as serious as he possibly can, that he's looking at monsters in a house that you already know is haunted. I think as my dad asked him, well, what, you know, you're seeing monsters? And he says, monsters and a girl. So there's another female presence that he's seeing also. So my my dad's like, well, what does this girl look like? And he's he says, Spider-Man colors. So my dad immediately starts laughing, be, thinking that he's totally making all this up and he's bringing in Spider-Man and all this other stuff. And I, I said, well, by Spider-Man colors, he just means red and blue. And he, he, Ethan said, yeah, she, she's wearing red and blue. Her clothes are red and blue. So all he meant by Spider-Man was Spider-Man has red and blue on that whatever he was seeing was wearing something that was red and blue or had those colors in some way. So we go home. It's a few weeks later. Um, I'm going to say, I think it was two weeks. I think it was two weeks later. Ethan gets up in the morning and I'm in the kitchen getting breakfast ready. And he comes into the kitchen, very intent, walking into the kitchen very intently. And he says, you need to call Aunt Joyce right now and tell her to go into great mother's room. A great mother was my grandmother who was living with her, who was ill, who had health issues. Ethan, it was his great grandmother. He, the kids called her great mother. He says, you need to go tell, call Aunt Joyce and and tell her to go to great mother's room and tell the girl in, in great mother's room that she needs to stop messing around with great mother's puzzles. So I'm kind of like, um, okay, not really sure how to handle that. And I I said, messing with her puzzles. And he said, yeah, she keeps messing with the puzzle pieces. And my grandmother, to pass the time, enjoyed doing puzzles. And she actually had a little card table in her room that had a puzzle on it that she was working on. We knew that because we had been there and she was showing us the puzzle she was working on. Ethan was adamant that I had to call my aunt immediately for her to go back in the bedroom to tell the invisible woman that only he could see to stop playing with great mother's puzzle because she was messing with it and she was going to mess it up. He was furious. So I did what he said. I called my aunt. I said, um, you know, Ethan is really upset. He's saying that there's somebody playing with the puzzle pieces on grandmother's table. Can you please go tell her to stop? So I don't know if she did or not. She kind of was creeped out about it because like I said, her house is haunted and she was, she was a little unsure, I think, freaked. We end up going to this paranormal conference in Gettysburg. And while we were there, I, I won't go into the details about it, but while we were there, we had the opportunity to have a one-on-one with a psychic. I had kind of explained his, like how in the world could he know that two and a half, three hours away in Virginia, there is some ghost person messing with my grandmother's puzzle. Like, how does he know that? How is that even possible? A lot of that was me trying to rationalize, make sense of it, put some sort of logic twist on it. 
so the psychic, you know, we had a session. My, my aunt had a session with her. It was a pet psychic. So actually it was my aunt's dog, Belle, that had this, had the session with her. And she asked if we had any questions. And I asked her, I told her about Ethan. And I said, is it even possible that he, that he would be able to know what was going on? And she assured me that, yes, it was very possible for him to know that that was happening. Then she was kind of explaining things to me that if you are in a pitch black room, if you're in a room that has no light, the doors closed, there's no light in it whatsoever. For spirits, he would be the flashlight. So if you're in a dark room and you turn the flashlight on, you're going to go to that flashlight. And that's basically what was going on with him is that he was operating like a flashlight for spirits. The weirdest thing just happened. I'm in this room. I'm recording from what is referred to as the haunted room in my house. The rocking chair is in the room behind me. Um, It's like 90 degrees outside. It's, uh, I'm sorry, it's 85 degrees outside and mostly cloudy based on my desktop weather. Um, but it feels like 90. It's very hot. It's very humid. The air conditioner is not on in this room because it would be too loud. It's a window air conditioning unit. My whole back just got ice cold. So I just want to share that with you right now. That's a little, that's a little freaky. It's like the back of my arm. It's the back of my arms and like across my neck. I'm almost sweating in this room. So for for that, that there's no draft in here. There's the windows are closed. Okay. Um, so getting back to the story and hopefully ghosts, if you're in here, if you can just, you know, back off a little bit, that'd be great. The psychic assures me that, that yes, it would be possible for him to know that that happened. So she didn't really do anything to ease my mind or give me any kind of explanation for what was going on with him. In the meantime at home, we we continued with the little girl in our home that he would see. And it was a little girl. It was a young girl. Like I said, the giggling I had heard next to the bed, it was a child (laughs) giggling. It was not an adult. And that was something he would talk about, interact with. He would talk to. Um, She was kind of irritating because she interrupted dinner a lot to the point where he would yell at her. She would try to get his food, try to get his drink. It, it happened often. It was not a one-time occurrence. I mentioned in, in another episode about experiencing the, uh, it was the Bell Witch episode where they were talking about the bed shaking. And I said I had experienced that. This was the house that I experienced it in. And um, I actually also experienced it at my aunt's house, as did my mom, the, the one that's haunted. But this house is where I experienced the bed shaking in my home. And it was actually during the time frame that Ethan was seeing this little girl. I wasn't sure at the time if it had to do with the little girl or if it had to do with the fact that uh, my cousin and my aunt and I had been investigating an area where a um, convent had been, uh, and a convent is where nuns live. And it was a cloistered convent, so they didn't leave the convent. That's where they lived. And it was torn down and there were actually 
coffins and crypts in the convent. And um, I picked up an artifact and, fact and, and I took it home. So I wasn't sure at the time if my experiences that I was having like with the bed shaking were because of Ethan's ghost or if I brought something home because I brought an artifact home with me from the convent. But I got rid of the artifact. I gave it to a friend of my brother's. Didn't really have anything major happen in that house after that. So I don't know, but I'll throw that in there. So the next major thing that happened with Ethan, he is four. Either he just turned four, he's getting ready to turn four. And my grandmother had gotten worse. Um, we knew it wasn't going to be very long before she would be passing away. So he would have been, it was right around the age of four. Like I said, he was keyed into things that were going on with my grandmother down in Virginia. So he starts talking again in his bedroom and he's having conversations with somebody. He would walk down the hall like he was walking next to somebody, having a conversation with them, a one-sided conversation. The only part we heard was his part of the conversation. And finally, one day I said, who are you talking to? And he looked at me like I was the dumbest person in the world. And let me tell you, at 15, he looks at me like that half the time anyway. Um, But he was four and he looks at me like I am so stupid. And he kind of uses his, he uses his thumb and kind of jerks his thumb behind his shoulder, you know, like pointing to somebody behind him. And he's like, Howard. I'm like thinking in my head, Howard, you know, like where the heck did he come up with this name? So I just, had decided to handle things like this nonchalantly to not freak out to not really ask too many questions because I still was unsure if he was making up stuff or if he was seeing things so I didn't want to make him feel bad about seeing stuff by freaking out and I didn't want him to embellish anything by asking too many questions so he jerks his thumb behind his back he's he's like Howard like dummy he's standing right here you can't see him I mean, that's exactly the attitude and the look that he gave me with this. So I'm looking, I went, oh, hey, Howard, kind of wave my hand like I'm waving to him. Like, hey, Howard, you know, like, okay. So the next day I sent an email out to my dad and his two sisters, my aunts, and they all were involved in genealogy. And I sent a message and I said, this might be kind of a weird message But Ethan is seeing, you know, Ethan's doing his weird stuff again and talking to somebody that, you know, nobody sees. And he's, he's, this person seems to be hanging in his room. He was, you know, hanging out in his room while he is playing and stuff. And he told me his name is Howard. I said, I don't think there's anybody named Howard in our family. I said, but I, you know, I just want to double check. You know, I don't think we have anybody named Howard, but I want to double check. So I get emails back within an hour from all three of them telling me that my grandmother, who the, my grandmother, who is sick and living at my aunt's, who has taken the turn for the worse, she had a cousin named Howard who had died about six months previously. So I was pretty seriously freaked out by that because it was another instance where there's some information given and I don't think it's even true. I... I was, I enjoyed genealogy. I'm now more involved in the genealogy of the family than I was at that point. 
but we all knew a large amount of our family history. We discussed family stories, family history a lot, and Howard was never a name that came up. I even, I I watched the television shows that he watched. He was into Thomas the Tank Engine, and there is an obscure character named Howard in that, but it was not in any of the videotapes that he had. Boy, I'm dating myself with that. We still had VHS at that point. Um, it was not on any of the tapes he had. I asked at daycare and said, is there any character on anything he's watching here named Howard? This was before I sent the email to my dad and his sisters, trying to find an explanation for who Howard could be, that maybe he's just got an imaginary friend named Howard. And there wasn't anything there, nothing that he was watching, playing with or anything had the name Howard. The lady who watched him said the name Howard hasn't even come up here. He's never, nobody has used the name Howard. There's nobody in my family named Howard. So anyway, he has come up with this obscure cousin's name, Howard. So Howard hung around for about two weeks. Howard hung out with Ethan on a regular, it was a daily basis. Ethan would be playing with his trains. Howard would would be in there with him. I could hear him talking to him. He was very nice. You know, Ethan told me a little bit about him, seemed to match the things that my dad had mentioned about him. You know, my dad said he's he was a nice guy. He was a decent guy, so nothing to worry about. Um, and eventually Howard did stop coming to the house. Ethan stopped talking about him and he, when I asked, he said he wasn't there anymore. This all coincided from when my grandmother took a turn for the worst and was near the end of her life. And we all kind of thought that perhaps Howard was just kind of hanging out, waiting to help her cross over, perhaps. On a side note, my grandmother did see people in her room near the end when she was in hosp- had hospice care. She did see people in her room that nobody else saw. And one of them was a young girl. So perhaps that was the girl who was playing with the puzzle. I'm not really sure who the girl was, if it was somebody in the family or what, but she did see people that nobody else saw near the end. Anyway, Howard was probably the freakiest thing. Howard was around for so long and was a daily visitor, so... It was almost comical in a way, you know, I was constantly like, hey, tell tell Howard I said, hey, and Ethan would look at me and he's like, well, he's right there. You know, like you tell him, hey. So anyway, that was, he was about four then. So as he got, he got a little bit older, I'm going to say pushing, pushing five years old, trying to think, I don't know, same, same age. I, I remember it was, um. December and I was in the car with my mom. We were like doing some Christmas shopping in downtown, you know, in, in the town of Gettysburg, looking at the the shops down there. And we had Ethan with us. I decided to bypass driving through the square and town because of traffic and went the back way through part of the battlefield. Specifically, I went down the road near the, the elementary school there that takes you into Spangler Spring. We come down the road and we stop and we're not doing any, planning on doing anything, but just, we're just driving through. We're just using it as a way, the scenic route, basically. Um, we're not going to get out of the car. So we get to the area and we're driving through and Ethan says he sees a man standing there. 
by the rocks. And there, there's no man. There's nobody there. There's not even any cars there. And he's very concerned. He sees the guy walk off towards the woods and he kind of disappears. And he's quiet and he's just like, where did he go? Does it, Is there a house back there? Does he have a house? Does he live here? My mom and I didn't see anything. So we just were like, well, I don't, I don't know. Maybe there's a house there. I, I don't know. There's no house there. We were just trying to not freak him out. So then my, my daughter, Bridget, who ghost hunting was cool when she was younger, hit middle school. It wasn't cool anymore. And then a couple of her friends thought it was cool. So then it was cool again. And she had two friends spend the night one night and she wanted to go ghost hunting. They all wanted to go ghost hunting. We we go to the battlefield and we end up back at Spangler Spring. We're at the top of the hill looking down towards the spring. Ethan is hiding behind me and he's kind of peeking around my leg looking and then he'd dart back and hide behind me. And I'm like, what is going on with you? You know, what what is your problem? He says, there's a man down there looking at me. There's no man there. There's nobody there. You know, once again, it's the, it's not tourist season. So there's not many people there. I don't think there was anybody there at that point in time. There was nobody in the, no cars in the parking lot. And I, there were no people there that, that were breathing, um, that were flesh and blood and breathing and walking around. And he says he sees this man standing down near where the actual spring is located. I'm like, I don't see him. And he says, no, I see he's down there. It's the man I saw before. So this is almost a full year because I believe this was uh, in the fall. Uh, and when he saw the man in Spangler Spring earlier, it was December of the previous year. So not quite a full year later, this is happening. And he he says it's it's the same man. He's waving and Ethan is hiding behind my leg, kind of peeking out and he starts waving. I'm like, what are you doing? He says, he's waving to me. He's waving to an invisible person that he sees on the battlefield. Eventually the man disappears. That was kind of the last time that Ethan had any kind of memorable experience. Since he has gotten older, he hasn't really voiced any kind of experience like that. Here in the house, uh, he is constantly asking me what I want. He'll yell from upstairs, ask me what I wanted. Because he's always hearing somebody call his name. It's not me. It's not my husband. Nobody calls his name, but he thinks he hears somebody calling his name. I don't know if that's part of the whole psychic kid business that was going on or not. I have a feeling that he is at the point where he, that disbelief has, has caused him to lose the ability to see things. He did sleep with the large light in his bedroom one, like the main ceiling light on until he was pushing 12 years old. Um, he had a serious fear of the dark And I always believed, he never said anything, but I always believed it was because he could see things in the dark, you know, that nobody else could see. And eventually it has started going away, which is a real damn shame because it would be freaking cool if I had a psychic kid. 
my grandson, to throw in a little bit extra info here about psychic kids, my grandson also a couple times said some freaky things. Um, Xavier of the Bigfoot story. If you haven't heard that, it is kind of amusing. It's just a real short, I don't know, I think it's three to four minutes long. Uh, one of the bonus episodes we've released of him talking about his Bigfoot experience. Xavier is my mini me when it comes to the paranormal. He loves cryptids, cryptozoology. He has his own encyclopedia. He loves cryptids. He knows more about some cryptids. He knows cryptids that I don't even know the names of. He's fascinated by them. And anyway, this doesn't have to do with cryptids. Um, When he was really little, before he was super into cryptids, he would talk about um, things that he would see in his room. And they were very disconcerting, to say the least. One time he was afraid of the fire people. And they were described a lot like cartoon devils. He had an invisible person who he would argue with at times. And then one time he was telling his mom about the ghost lady. And my daughter's like, well, what does she look like? And he, he said, well, she's wearing a dress and she doesn't have a mouth. And that kind of freaked my daughter out. She's like, what do you mean she doesn't have a mouth? He, she doesn't have a mouth. And he looks at my daughter, his mom, and he goes, and she doesn't like you. Which is a little freaky when you're, I don't know, I think he was two or three, uh, tells you there's a a ghost woman in the house with no mouth that doesn't like you. So anyway, he had his own little experiences with um, seeing things. Sadly, I don't think he really sees anything anymore. He also has an extreme fear of the dark. A lot like Ethan, he, he wants to have a significant light source on when he goes to bed a lot of times or, you know, some sort of nightlight. So I always, I always like to say that, um, you know, it, it, the ability to see and talk to dead people actually is present in my family on many sides. My great, great grandmother was a spiritualist church leader. Uh, she had spiritualist church meetings in her home and she would go into a trance. She was a trance medium and she would speak in a voice other than her own. My grandmother witnessed it and told me about it. And not only her, but that that's on my dad's side of the family. On my mom's side of the family, I have a, I had a great aunt who was able to read tea leaves so well that her priest in the Catholic church told her she couldn't do it anymore, that it was the work of the devil and she was no longer allowed to do it. And then for Ethan, not only does he have that on my side of the family, but on his dad's side of the family, his grandmother on his dad's side, who he was never able to meet. She also was a psychic. Perhaps it's hereditary. Perhaps he had a little bit of the ability to see and talk to dead people but he has pretty much pushed that down and we don't hear anything anymore. I don't really ask him. I figure if he wants me to know about it, he'll tell me. And, you know, if it's not happening, I don't want to freak him out. I don't want him to be a smart ass and pretend because he would totally do that at 15. But anyway, that's my creepy story about my son who used to see dead people.
like not dead people. We didn't have dead people sitting around, but you know what I mean. Anyway, um, that wraps it up for this episode. And as always, you can listen to our podcast on iHeartRadio or wherever it is that you listen to your podcast. We're on all of the major ones and some of the not major ones. We're pretty much everywhere at this point. And um, you can always find us at lurkpodcast.com. We have all our show notes there um, with each episode. And we also have the link to our merchandise our merchandise. I hate using the word merch. I'm so old. Anyway, we have our link to our merch in the show notes for each episode. Also on that website are the links to all of our social media accounts. We have Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and we're, we have a YouTube channel. There's only a couple things on there. It's time consuming for me to go back and and add those on there because it takes a long time to upload them. Um, But I'm working on it. So you can find us on all four of those platforms. I suggest you like or follow or subscribe to one or all of those. I try to post photos of um, things relevant to the episode that has been released. I post any events we may be doing and also any ridiculous memes or, you know, any the schedule of upcoming episodes for the month, that sort of thing. So it's a way to stay on top of what's going on. And we have a new domain name for our merch. That is lurkpodcastmerch.com. And that will take you to our Teespring store where you can order t-shirts. We have men's and women's t-shirts. We, I think we have like infants, onesies, and all kinds of stuff. We have some tank tops. My daughter just got a tank top. It looks really cool. I'm definitely getting one of those myself. Um, Also, I discovered the charcoal colored t-shirt in women's is an awesome color. My cousin ordered that, you know, as well and looks great. Need to get one of those too. So check out that link, buy some merch, help us pay for producing this podcast. That's it. So as always, keep lurking.